Hey folks, it's Michael with Recreate Church. If the weather people got it right this time, you might be snowed in. As I record this, we're expecting a pretty big winter storm in our area. So it seems like a good day for a hot beverage and a cool story. This one is about a man named John. John was only 11 years old when he went out on his first sea voyage. He was a sailor. His father was captain of a merchant ship. You might say that John had salt water in his soul. John had a Christian mother who loved him and tried to teach him right, prayed for him all the time, but she died when he was very young. And in those days, living on a boat, growing up on a boat, the life of a sailor was about as far from holy and righteous as you could possibly get. He grew up to be a very troubled young man. He worked on merchant vessels until he was 21. That's when he was drafted into the British Royal Navy. He hated it because it was so strict. He got out as quick as he could. He was such a troublemaker. They, they, uh, they tried, he tried to desert to get out to run away, but he got caught, and the captain had him stripped and beaten in front of the whole crew and it was so humiliating that he thought about taking his own life after that so when he got out of the navy he wanted to continue to be a sailor he worked on a slave ship now this was in the late 1700s and at the time slavery was still legal in the british empire the master of the ship was a brutal abusive man and he eventually sold John as a slave to an African princess. John lived in slavery for three years until a friend of his father rescued him and took him back to England. It was on that voyage back to England that John first got a taste of God's grace. And it was the beginning of him becoming a very different man. I'll tell you the rest of the story in just a little bit, but first I want to dive into the meaning of grace. What is grace? The most memorable definition of grace I've ever heard is grace is, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Short and sweet, God's grace is his goodness toward us even when we don't deserve it, and that's the trick. We can't deserve it. You only really appreciate God's grace when you get an understanding of how wrecked we would be without it. God's grace finds us when we are lost. God's grace makes us the makes us spiritually blind to see. God's grace makes a mess into a masterpiece. God's grace turns a sinner into a saint. God's grace often spares us from the worst consequences of our dumbest decisions. God's grace is amazing. So we're going to find this in Ephesians chapter 2 in the New Testament. Lord willing, we're going to read through the whole chapter. It's quite a lot of reading. We won't be digging into every line, but I'd like you to hear it anyway. I have my Bible with me today. You can see it's right here. I'm going to be reading that to you here. So this is Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. It goes like this. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, 
which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature the children of wrath, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And here are those famous verses. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Mm. I'm going to pray right there. Heavenly Father, please speak into our souls about your grace. Thank you for your amazing grace that has spared me from what could have been coming to me lord thank you for how good you are please help us to receive this into our very souls and let us let it change us in jesus name amen okay well these days have you noticed it's getting a little more difficult to tell what people really look like so many of the images that we see have been Altered, And it's not just models in magazines or celebrities in movies. Anyone taking a picture with a cell phone can use a filter to enhance their appearance. <laughs> if you've only seen somebody in pictures that they have shared that have been filtered or very carefully selected, you might get a surprise when you meet them in person. Somebody will eventually invent some kind of unfilter. That shows us what people really look like under the special effects. I, I feel sure that already exists out there in some kind of form. And I can tell you that it does exist in at least one form, though very different. In this world where it's so easy to hide who you really are, there is something that will cut right to the truth about us. If you read the Bible with anything like an open heart... It will be to you like a very honest mirror. You know, one of those mirrors that shows you the things about yourself that you would rather ignore. Not the flaws in your physical appearance, but the deeper issues of the heart. The verses we just read are painfully honest about our spiritual condition. We like to think we're pretty good people, right? Pretty decent people, nice people, good people. But that is the filtered image, the unflattering truth is that all people start out spiritually dead, dead in sin. Boy, is that an unpopular thing to say. I guess I'll be canceled too. But the scriptures tell us that we naturally walk according to the ways of this world. According to the prince of the powers of the air. Well, who's that? That's another name for the devil. Before the grace of God gets a hold of us, it's not our natural goodness 
that is calling the shots. We're under the influence of the darkness of, of the devil. I, I know that's really hard to accept. Nobody wants to hear that they're lost in the woods spiritually. But the sooner we face the facts, the better. Have you ever been around someone who really needed glasses very badly, but they didn't want to admit it and they didn't want to go to the eye doctor? And uh, they're kind of a danger to themselves and a danger to others. It's not so different when we can't admit our spiritual blindness. It's only after we admit that we are blind that we can really begin to see. And you won't get found until you admit you're lost. When we admit that we cannot save ourselves, that's when Jesus will save us. We are dead in trespasses and sins. But Jesus has made us alive. It's not by our good deeds that we're saved, but by the grace of God. It's free to us, though it costs Jesus his life. So let's get back to the story of John. Do you want to hear what happened to John, right? On the way back to England, after being rescued from slavery in Africa, the Lord began to work on John. There was a terrible storm off the coast of Ireland. The ship was tossed so violently that it seemed sure they would go down and everyone would die. As John gripped the helm of the ship, trying to steer it through the deadly waves memory of his mother's faith flooded into his heart and at the same moment water was flooding into the ship a hole had been knocked in the hull the side of the ship the god that he had ignored for so many years could no longer be denied and he cried out in that moment lord have mercy on us Ooh, that's a powerful turning point. Whenever you finally cry out for God's mercy and his grace, something is going to happen. When he prayed, Lord have mercy on us, some of the ship's cargo floated up and stopped the hole in the side of the ship. They were able to get safely to shore. John was a different man after that. He was still a work in progress. There were things that still needed to happen, as we will see, but the trajectory of his life had changed. He put his faith in Jesus. God spoke to him in the storm. What kind of a storm will it take for you and I to have that come to Jesus moment? So let's read a little bit more, beginning at verse 11. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise having no hope and without God in the world but now in Christ Jesus you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near, 
For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now there is some uh, imagery here that's not exactly comfortable. Circumcision and uncircumcision? Um, Well, thankfully, we don't have to get too technical or medical about this to get an understanding of the meaning. At the baseline, this is talking about the spiritual in crowd and the spiritual outsiders. Historically, Israel, the circumcision, were God's chosen people, the people of God. And the Gentiles, the non-Jews, the uncircumcision, were on the outside looking in. In Jesus, the spiritual outcasts are made part of the family. Now that's good news for us, not only because most of us are probably Gentiles, but The fact is, we all start out as spiritual outsiders, no matter what our ancestors were. That goes for all humans. Everyone is fundamentally disconnected from God because of sin. Adam and Eve got it started, and we've kept it going. Jesus came to reconcile humanity to God. Until we trust in Jesus, and until we are, from then... Until then, we're separate from God. There is an unclimbable wall. There is an uncrossable chasm between us and God. But Jesus is the bridge over the chasm. In Jesus, Jews and Gentiles are brought together as one. And even more importantly, he closes the impassable divide between people and God. He, he takes those who are far away from God and brings them near, and that is us. Through Jesus, we have full access to God. John met Jesus in the middle of the storm, the John of our story, and he was never the same. He didn't have much education, but he worked really hard every night until he taught himself Latin. Why Latin? Hmm. That's a weird thing to learn. It's because... In those days, Latin was the language many textbooks were written in. And he studied the Bible relentlessly. He, he grew closer to God and grew in spiritual understanding. And with that understanding came conviction. See, that should happen. If you're really studying and reading the Bible, one way you know that it's starting to get to you is that it starts to get to you. You begin to be convicted. You begin to understand that you've been making wrong choices and that some things need to change. If you can read the Bible and you don't feel any urge to live differently, either you have completely spiritually arrived, not likely, or you're reading it with the wrong eyes. You see, John was being convicted all this time after he was saved, he was still working on a slave ship. Hmm, that's a problem. Now, living in 2022, we can see that it is obviously incompatible with the life of faith to enslave another person. Absolutely wrong. But back in those days, most people didn't recognize how truly terrible it was. But God was working on John. He once was blind, but he's beginning to see so let's read some more beginning at verse 19 
I think we've already read. No, we haven't. Let's uh, let's read a little more here. Uh, let's see. Verse nine. Yeah, verse nineteen. I had it right all along. Verse nineteen. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Mm. Jesus makes us members of the family of God. We're a part of this bigger plan that God is, is working out, this bigger story that God is telling through eternity. And, and like he did for John... Jesus brings us through many dangers, toils, and snares. The grace that brought him safe thus far would safely lead him home. John had a last name. His name was John Newton. John Newton became a pastor. He wrote many songs of praise to God, and we still sing the most popular one today. It teaches us about God's Amazing grace. Now, writing the most famous hymn of all time, that's a pretty extraordinarily, uh, extraordinary thing to put on your resume, right? But the greatest evidence that God's grace changed his life came a little bit later. John Newton looked back on his life with a lot of remorse. He had been a vulgar person who lived in opposition to God before he was saved, but his greatest regret was his involvement with the slave trade. He never felt good about that. He later in his life became a major advocate for abolition along with William Wilberforce. They led the effort to have slavery outlawed in the British Empire and just a few months before John Newton died, the law was passed and slavery was no longer a part of the British nation. God's amazing grace transformed his life, and it showed. It can transform you and transform me, and we need that. Everyone starts out lost, but we can be found. Everyone starts out blind, but we can see. We can be part of the family of God, though we start out on the outside. The Scriptures tell us, by grace you are saved through faith. It doesn't come through good deeds or good behavior, but by the gift of God through Jesus. Wow. The last two years, I feel like I've learned more about the grace of God than at any other point in the rest of my life. I, I've finally been able to see that if God has had not been graceful and merciful to me, everything good in my life would have crashed and burned. We all have to see that at some point. It's not a good feeling to look back over your life and realize how stupid you've been. But we need to see the miracle of God's grace. If not for God's grace... You and I would have wrecked everything good in our lives over and over again. 
I praise God for his amazing grace. I'm amazed by God's grace. I really want to see you folks in person. I, I, I'm glad I can come to you virtually through the power of the internet. But it's not good enough. I, I want to see you guys in person. You know, we've been uh, battling this COVID epidemic in our area. My wife and I were sick, and we have family members sick. It's really something. You know, take care of yourselves. Be careful out there, and let's, let's get through this. And, and now we have this big snowstorm coming in our area. That prevents us from meeting in person. But uh, I want to see you. I want to see you soon. As soon as we open up these doors, I want you guys to be back here. If you're one of the folks that joins us through the podcast or, or through YouTube and you're not able to physically be present, then pray for us. We'll pray for you. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know how you're doing. God bless you guys. I love you all so much. I'm going to say a prayer for us. I'm going to let you go. Heavenly Father, thank you for the chance to share your word, even in a virtual format. And I pray you will bring us back together soon. We pray for everyone who's in the path of the storm that you would protect them. And we pray that you will bring healing to our nation physically, yes, but even more so spiritually. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us. Recreate Church is a community of life and love, leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And our motto is, no matter your story, you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved. And I love you guys. God bless you. See you next time.